0: I okay.
1: Kill Radio, and our uh, guests have come from very far. Uh, Kill Radio and KPFK on the podcast, and, of course, you're listening to, that's right, Bike Talk here on the Internet, the interweb. that's right it's bike talk and we're here at uh the lovely kill radio studios it's a saturday morning but don't don't be mystified by time because this is the interweb as we say and uh i'm joined by two guests this is the lovely the lovely chicken leather here but uh, also in the studio
2: uh my name's Erica Graves and I'm with Blue Zone's project down in the South Bay area and I used to be a professional cyclist and Joe's probably going to ask me a lot of embarrassing questions about that.
1: Wait, when you say used to be, is there is there some like uh, is it like a secret identity you take the suit off and you don't become him anymore? It is. Or you don't become them anymore. All
2: the secrets of the trade, you know, are <laughs> you wiped lose it? wiped clean from your brain.
1: Do they do they detoxify you? Do do you go through the like the the Rolling Stones kind of like thing where uh they pump out new blood and pump in new blood and stuff. And, 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 and of course over here, Joe is like nodding his head like, yeah, of
3: course. Isn't that, isn't that how it is? Yeah. yeah. I, I assumed it was all a vampire kind of operation.
1: <laughs> that's exactly what I thought too. Anyway, uh, it is bike talk and the frivolity has not ended because that's right. It's another edition of, uh, the loosely based, uh, bike talk where we try to enter into bikes, all things bikes and even some things that you didn't want to know about bikes. So, uh,
3: as mentioned earlier, there's another person here. Uh, state your name. Indeed I will. Good morning, Los Angeles, and our listeners all around the world on the web. I am Joe Galliani. I am here from the South Bay of Los Angeles, an exotic distant land down south. I am a member of the South Bay Bicycle Coalition. I'm on their board of directors. And in contrast to my delightful young co-host, Erica, I am not a cyclist. I am a bicycle rider. I ride my bike to work, but I have, wow. no, I have no spandex. No well, we'll,
1: we'll get into that uh, little bit of, I guess it's uh, the nomenclature of how things are going, the, the taxonomy of how things are divided between riders or professionals. The lexicon, always, if you will. Yes, yeah, so to speak, but uh, uh, first off... Uh, Let's let's get to the simple thing. What is South Bay? Where, what do you what do you classify as the South Bay? I'm thinking like Baja California. right? Ah, that might be nice. Yeah. Or Isn't if that look, south of us? It is you south thinking, of you us? have to get. You have to get, like, a, a little stamp on your
3: passport every time you enter into there? Or well, I They I put would, a dot through your license? They or? do. They run you through customs. You, you have to give them a, a statement. Sometimes there's a full body. Monitoring search.
1: your phone calls? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes.
3: Uh, as part of our freedom, no doubt.
1: Seriously? Where Seriously.
3: We? We're talking about the Santa Monica Bay. And okay. so the South Bay, you might say once you get south of marina del rey wouldn't you say erica once playa Del del rey all the way as south as torrance so we're talking about uh playa del rey we're talking about hermosa beach we're talking about manhattan beach we're talking about redondo beach torrance and then even some of the inland cities are considered part of the south bay erica we have a and i'll just throw this out there we have passed a master bike plan with seven cities uh, four of them are beach cities, but what are the uh, other cities involved in that? Do you recall?
2: I believe uh, Torrance, Hawthorne, uh, Lawndale. Lawndale, and what's the fourth one?
3: Wow. If you know what the fourth city uh, is. The son of base, Lawndale. Son of Lawndale.
2: <laughs> if <you laughs>
3: but if you know what that other city is, ladies and gentlemen, and I know our first guest coming up is going to know the answer to that, but if you know the answer to that, you can always call in and talk to us live. On the air? No, not on the air. On the internet. The number here: two one three two five two zero nine nine eight. Out of town? Call collect. So, Erica. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't. You don't have to do that. There's oh, also a, a chat room
1: that I haven't brought up yet because uh, I've been I've been twiddling the knobs here. So, Chicken Loan is going to try and do that. But uh, uh, in in the South Bay, uh, being being a director, you made that distinction. Let's let's get to that point right now. And uh, professional rider.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Wow!
1: Just a
4: I believe one of our
1: callers
3: is trying to reach us right now. That's a, all right. That's amazing. Well, that's, even, that's even better. I it's like that. Someone from Amsterdam, where apparently they oh, ride bicycles all the time. <laughs> but uh, you were asking about the difference between myself and the incredibly fit and um, and fantastic Erica Graves, and the difference is is uh, she is someone that would wear a kit. Uh-huh. I don't even know what a kit is. <laughs> I wear my work clothes. I get on my bike. I pedal down to the Rat Beach, beginning of the Marvin Browdy bike path that goes all the way to Santa Monica from my house in Torrance. And I ride that six miles to my office in Manhattan Beach and then six miles home. And I barely get on public roads.
1: Okay. And uh, I... I I have
3: no skills. I I don't look good in in anybody's tight top or stretchy pants. I do. I just bought my first pair of bicycle shoes, but I'm not sure how to put those clips. <laughs> so I'm wearing them right now. So, so they are the most comfortable shoes I've ever worn. Are they? They, they are Shimano's. Wow. Shimano. You know, I wear a size ten.
2: And you're walking around with these, and you haven't put breaking the clips them in. in
3: yet. But we digress. Why do why I think do we?
1: They do? already have the clips. They're recessed. If really? You, if you notice on the shoe itself. Uh, no, you're going to have to do yoga no, then. The, the yoga track. chat comes up on Wednesday. We don't want you to do that. Well, I am 55 years old. It's amazing I
3: can live my lift my leg that that's, high. It, that's fantastic. Listeners, if only we were
1: streaming. Videos. Yes, <laughs> the Rockettes are going to be calling in any minute now with that. Well, um, having having said that, we have a lineup, and I've, I've been giving a, uh, a just a, a brief outline agenda. And as I say we that, we caller. have our first phone
3: call. Wow, you know You're that so could be popular. Marissa Christensen. I'm just psychic. I'm guessing, uh, but uh, Marissa Christensen. Okay, hold on. Wow, is that how we do the phone here? Just hold it up next to the phone. I'm and holding talk the, to the phone <laughs> up next to the mic. This is incredibly technical. Go ahead, Joe. <laughs> uh, yes. Say <laughs> I hello. Believe- that think- giggle, I, I am assuming, is our caller. I don't know. It, it could be just a wrong number who is horribly, horribly <laughs> say, horrified. Say bike talk. Bike Talk here. Caller, you're on the air. What have you got to say?
5: Hi, guys. It's Marissa Christensen.
3: Marissa Christensen, ah. what a fantastic time it is for you to call since we were floundering here and just gabbering away.
5: Hi, Ma-
3: <laughs> hi, Marissa. It's a pleasure to speak with you once again. Can can you do us a favor and tell our audience why you are on Bike Talk today? Uh,
5: well, I was hoping you could tell me that. Okay. Uh, just, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> 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 I am the former initiative director for uh, the South Bay Bicycle Master Plan that the Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition and South Bay Bicycle Coalition headed up um, over a year ago now.
3: Wow, was it that long ago?
5: Uh, I believe so. Time flies, huh?
3: Yes. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Marissa was the first initiative director of the coalition and um, no one can really follow in her footsteps. What an amazing job this woman did from being hired and having to deal with a board of directors that didn't know what they were doing um, to having to usher a master bicycle plan through seven different communities and seven different city councils all successfully done and uh, pretty amazingly done Uh, and I'm I'm still wowed by what you did Marissa
5: well you are too kind and obviously it was a, a group effort that couldn't have been accomplished without uh, the South Bay Bicycle Coalition and Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition ushering this along.
3: Yes. Why don't uh, Why don't we give our audience a little perspective and can you take us back in time a little and talk to us about um, how you got hired and what you got hired to do?
5: Sure. Uh, interestingly enough, I found the, the job for the initiative director position on Craigslist. So Craigslist actually works. Wow. <laughs> um, Uh, I had a little bit of experience with bike planning. I have a a degree in urban planning, and and while I was getting that degree, uh, I created a campus bicycle plan uh, at USC that I think has since taken off a little bit. Um, But basically what the coalition was looking for was somebody that could more or less project manage this grant-funded uh, seven-city bicycle plan that That's they were right. trying to accomplish.
3: And it all started with that um, $250,000 grant, if I remember correctly?
5: $250,000, yes. From the uh, Los Angeles County Department of Health, of Public Health.
3: Yeah, and, and that, that was yes. pretty amazing and, and what what a, a resource to, to be able to work with starting off.
5: Right, absolutely. And they, they had a number of other grants you know, throughout the region that uh, also were somehow aimed at improving public health, and kind of how we got involved with the bike plan, I believe, was because we were pushing that active forms of transportation would help lower obesity rates in the region.
3: Which are sky high.
5: Yeah, sky high.
3: And so the, the money came in, and uh, an ambitious seven-city plan was on the table, and how did you approach uh, the process of, of getting that plan out to the public and getting it passed by city councils?
5: well you know it really sort of shifted uh, throughout the process you know with with seven different cities involved and two different nonprofits and a grant funder I mean, anybody who's ever done a group project either at work or school knows that the more cooks that you have in the kitchen (laughs) the kind of more challenging it becomes so when i started uh... you know i honestly started off looking at this as okay all of these cities are equally invested into this process and they all understand what the final goal is, and they're all on the same page. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I was focusing on becoming a technical expert in traffic uh, and transportation engineering and kind of focusing on what the policy should actually say, and I quickly realized that these seven different cities all had seven different priorities, seven different ways of uh, investing into this process. And varying degrees of interest in even becoming a, a bicycle-friendly city at all. Yeah. So my focus really shifted to really making it a collaborative process. And that was something that was built into our plan to begin with. You know, we always planned on hosting a series of workshops and hosting monthly roundtable meetings with all of these seven cities, but kind of the, the relationship-driven process is what became the forefront. I think very, very quickly and became the priority um, because each of these seven cities did kind of have a different vision for how this should go and what ultimately should come out of it. So, you know, we as as bicycle enthusiasts and uh, you know people who work or volunteer for a bicycle coalition, we wanted this great plan that was as aggressive as possible, um, with very clear policy that would sort of delineate. You know, maybe every single street in the South Bay having some sort of bike facility on it, and I think we quickly figured out that we had to sort of create a plan that, while it was valid and aggressive and a progressive step forward, would have to be written broadly enough that these seven different cities could feel confident in their role in in implementing uh, you know new infrastructure and, and bicycle safety policy and things like that.
3: Yeah. Would it be fair to say that some cities were more enthusiastic than others and some of these seven cities were easier to get the bike plan passed and get some enthusiasm from riders in those cities than others?
5: Absolutely. I I would say, if I'm going to make a generalization, the beach cities were sort of supportive from the word go. Um, Redondo Beach specifically um, was our lead grant partner, you know, we needed like a host city to get the grant and they were our host city and kind enough to give me office space in the city uh, during the the grant funding time. Um, And they were just completely enthusiastic from the very beginning. Uh, They were one of the first city councils to unanimously adopt the plan in the end. Um, Some of the other cities were definitely enthusiastic and saw it as a huge positive step forward in their city. But when it came down to actually drawing out a map and showing them where we'd like bike lanes or cycle tracks or whatever the facility was to go, um, they became a little squeamish. And, I, I, you know, I don't want to name any names no. uh, of these cities, but, but absolutely there was a huge range of enthusiasm.
3: And uh, I, would, I would venture to say uh, a huge range of uh, political dynam- dynamism. Um, in these different cities as well.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, Redondo Beach had a couple of council members who were sort of personally interested in this. You know, there are a few people on the council who ride bikes regularly. Um, uh, Manhattan Beach had a few council members as well who were very personally interested in this being successful. And some of the other cities were a little hit or miss. And, you know, in a car culture like we have, and, and I'm I'm guilty of it. You know, we drive everywhere. We depend on our cars. It's it's part of our daily life. When you sit down with somebody who's never even considered uh, that there's other forms of transportation, and that those forms of transportation can actually help the environment and reduce congestion and you know, uh, improve public health, it's it's an entire culture shift, entire frame of minds that you're asking them to to step into, and that that can be challenging. I think luckily for those cities where maybe there was a little bit of foot dragging in the beginning, the sort of number one weapon, for lack of a better word, that we had in our arsenal was that if they supported this plan, if they made sure that it got adopted in their city, it would open up their city to $7 million of grant funding from Caltrans that they weren't currently eligible for. So that the structure of our plan Um, actually met criteria that none of these cities were meeting yet. And so I think that's sort of what I ended up going to. If if they really didn't see the health or safety benefits of a bicycle plan, kind of telling them in these trying times where cities are strapped for resources, this is actually something that's earning more money.
1: We, We have a question here. Uh, okay. from our From our guest.
5: Hey,
2: Marissa, it's Erica from Queens. Hi, Blue Zones. how are you? Good. How are you? Good to Good. talk to you. Thanks for calling in. So, um, I, I really liked your point about that financial argument because you know money talks, and there's no saying that's more true than that. But um, after passage of that plan have you kind of followed kind of what the cities have done have the ones that were more enthusiastic from the get-go really gone after that money and you know started implementing the plan have some of the cities that were hesitant to begin with started to make a turnaround and you know start going after money and be more bike friendly i just want to know like what are your general observations um on that
5: yeah you know it's it really is sort of intuitive um, the way this is kind of worked out. The cities that showed more enthusiasm have gone after the money. The cities that weren't all that enthusiastic but reasonably supportive have maybe done a you know a, a stretch of um, bike route or shareos here and there, but haven't really been aggressive in implementation. And then there's a couple of cities that haven't done anything, as far as I, I'm aware. Um, I admittedly haven't followed implementation as closely as maybe I should have, but um, I do know that Hermosa Beach in the past year went out for a grant. Um, I believe Manhattan Beach implemented a, a stretch of bike routes in, I think, near their downtown area. And Redondo Beach has actually been um, reasonably kind of trend uh, trendsetting. Um, They actually have a plan and have the funding for and and have uh, scheduled it in their capital improvements program for the coming years um, for a cycle track. And uh, what a cycle track is, is basically a two-way separated bike path that edges um, a roadway. And so they're looking at doing a a cycle track that I think is a little under a mile long along uh, Harbor Drive in their waterfront area. Um, where they're doing a bunch of other uh, redevelopment work, so this is really going to be sort of a crown jewel piece for their part of the plan.
1: I can't um, wait! I ride that route to that work.
5: Actually, with bicycle transportation account money, which is that that Caltrans grant that I was just talking about. So, you know, they adopted the plan and basically immediately went after the funding that we pointed them for. Um, they also have some money from uh, the Metropolitan Transportation Authority. Uh, to implement the rest of the bike plan. So they're looking at, I believe, bike lanes on Torrance Boulevard, um, extending the bicycle facilities that they have on Catalina, um, and a few other improvements kind of throughout their network. So I've been really proud to watch them kind of just pick this up and and run with it.
2: Yeah, that's really exciting stuff. And working with uh, some of the other cities in the South Bay, we definitely look to Redondo Beach and kind of... Showcase how progressive they've been in uh, implementing those bike projects in the
5: master plan. So. Absolutely, and I, I think a huge part of why they've done that is because you know we did have two council members that were specifically very um, interested in seeing this go forward. Uh, Steve Deals and Bill Brand have both been sort of uh, champions for uh, increasing the bike network in their city. Um, and Steve Deal's actually just turned out of office, so we're sad to see him go.
2: Yeah.
5: Uh, but we're hoping that that kind of political support will continue.
2: Yeah, I think that is always a challenge with the city councils is, you know, that you have this turnover on a yearly or, you know, biannual, you know, process. And then you're a lot of times having to reeducate. Uh, the history behind a policy that was adopted before they came on board. And,
3: oh, yeah, with each know. new uh, council person uh, elected, you almost have to start from scratch. And, uh, you know, if, as a uh, board of director member and, and you as the former initiative director, uh, you know that the strategy has to be to cozy up to these people as soon as they get elected and identify who our champions are.
5: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know in Redondo Beach, uh, we have Jeff Ginsburg and Steve San Marco who are new to the council. And I can say, you know, I don't know Steve San Marco all that well, but um, I do know Jeff Ginsburg a little bit, and and he has shown some interest and support um, in this sort of plan in the past. Yeah. Uh, So I'm hoping that that he'd be a great resource um, for the coalition.
1: So this is uh, chicken leather here, and I I uh, I have a couple questions. Uh, uh, one uh, was it was it hard getting those fat kids at SC on their bikes? Uh, <laughs> and, and and my other question is uh, they they've really done some infrastructure down there at let's just say South Figueroa. It's North Figueroa here that uh, in Los Angeles with the master plan that we're having some problems. In fact, a lot of the neighborhood councils aren't on board. And uh, what would you say, or have you learned anything to get? Just uh, local citizens that might have some real issues with it. I know in Northeast Los Angeles, there's some real issues at, at, at implementing this master plan. They're looking at it like we weren't consulted, you're just trying to get money, and all this stuff. And they're not, what would you tell them about some of the benefits of this?
5: Well, you know, I, I have to say, I, I haven't been very familiar with the master plan that's actually getting implemented now. I think you're talking about the, the street network that surrounds the actual campus.
1: That's correct.
5: Yeah, I know that's something that the city of L.A. has been sort of focusing on, and I, I have heard that there's been some issues with it. Um, that said, I also don't know what the level of engagement was in that. But I would say, for us, having gone through this, you know, in a, in a small region now in, in L.A. County, with seven different cities, having an aggressive series of workshops for the public where both elected officials and the community shows up together um, was really a huge benefit for, for our plan and I would argue is a model that should be used with any plan like this. Um, so if there's a group of stakeholders out there that don't feel like they were engaged and really have some ideas and some things to say about it. Um, pushing for maybe one of the elected offices or the city to host, uh, you know, a handful of workshops where people come out and actually have a forum to talk through this and offer their ideas and sort of uh, come up with with new strategies, I think is crucial. I think anytime you roll out a massive plan like this uh, without getting down and and engaging the public kind of at an eye-to-eye level you're
3: going to come across a lot of problems. I agree, uh, Marissa. This is Joe again, and I think um, that there's a, a secondary benefit to those um, community meetings where we get everybody's input and then we get their reaction to, let's say, the first draft of the plan. And that other benefit is the uh, the organizational benefit, um, the people that show up for these meetings, are your future coalition members and your, your future activists and advocates? And it's, it's as important at those meetings to identify those people and kind of embrace them and bring them into the organization as it is to get the consensus from the community.
5: Absolutely. And something that I, I noticed from those workshops you know, even if you don't end up getting a ton of great, you know, cutting edge ideas out of them, what you do see is the elected officials have now witnessed. The number of people, the number of their constituents um, who are interested in this gather in one place and say that they're taking issue with it, and so even if the the issue isn't solved right there, the elected official now has a new interest in making sure that they actually figure out how to how to address whatever the challenges are. Do you know what I mean
3: absolutely. Well, you know, we could probably fill the whole two hours just talking to you, Marissa, but um, <laughs> we, we actually have a lineup of other South Bay bicycle guests. But who- but
2: can I chime in when, with one question? Oh, please do. I've been dying to know this, Marissa, since I met you a couple years ago. Who does yep. your hair? What kind of bike do you have? <laughs> oh,
5: no, that's a great <laughs> um, question. I have a beach <laughs> cruiser, actually, that I, that I got from um, uh, Hermosa Cyclery, so that's probably not a huge shock. Uh, if you've seen my footwear you probably guessed that I'm not that avid of a cyclist so
2: you're not a spandex wearing cyclist I I am not unfortunately I suppose I should be be
1: (laughs) not that there's (laughs) anything wrong with that no No, not at all We
2: love all kinds of bike riders
3: exactly Well, thanks so much for your time today, Marissa, and and also uh, personally thank you so much for all the uh, time and effort and the tremendous job that you did organizing uh, us Board of Directors members as well as the Seven Beach City and other cities as part of the coalition and and getting that plan passed. It's one of the, uh, both the grant and the passage of that plan were basically an entirely 100% grassroots volunteer effort, and I can safely say that it, it wouldn't have succeeded without your leadership.
5: Well, thank you so much, Joe. It was an absolutely wonderful experience, and it was great to talk to you
3: guys today. Our pleasure. Take care and have a great Happy rest riding. of your weekend. Yes. All right. Ride Bye, safe. Guys. Well, that was the uh, always delightful and uh, very sharp Marissa Christensen. Uh, who uh, now has a very exciting career down in the South Bay, uh, working directly for one of the cities, and I don't want to uh, put her on the spot or embarrass her by associating my name with the city she's working for. <laughs> that,
1: that's that's okay. Actually, I was down there uh, doing some bike valet uh, uh, about a year or so ago um, with the LACBC, and uh, I remember it was one of those uh, parts per million of carbon in the air and how to reduce it. But it was it was so enlightening to talk to the mayor there. And the mayor was actually sort of prodding me for more questions and, and, and stuff, which is kind of different than, yeah. than usual. So uh,
3: well, I'm I glad that- you brought that up because um, that's a perfect segue. The reason that I am involved sure. in bicycle issues is because of the climate, and I am the organizer of the South Bay 350 oh. Climate Alliance. And I uh, produced that uh, amazing waving human tide line event at the Manhattan Beach Pier, which was the largest single uh, climate demonstration in the state of California. Uh, to date, we had 1,300 people stretch across that beach to show what's going to happen when the sea level rise, which all science agrees on, um, is hits our beaches, and uh, we are in big trouble. And one of the solutions, if there are solutions, to adapting to this is to get people on bicycles and out of their damn cars. And right now it's an option, but I, I will tell you flat out that uh, eventually that will not be an option, and cars will, fossil fuels will be banned. That's that's actually uh, one of the, the
1: items that came up uh, during, in and, and full disclosure, uh, this week uh, the uh, LACBC did host, uh, similarly, these discussions about not only climate change, but uh, these new proposed bike lanes in the Northeast Los Angeles sector, and that's specifically uh, what I went out and, and captured uh, last Monday, uh, discussing at the uh, Center for the Arts everything from what was the next venue being in there? Uh, I found that the their opposition is tying everything from apartheid to, uh, you know, fear that uh, your insurance rates would go up if the bike lanes go in. I mean, just <laughs> ridiculously. One yeah. person was saying that... Uh, uh, emergency vehicles couldn't get to their location because now the bike riders will slow it down. And I said, I hope that happens. Maybe they'll slow them down so much there won't be a crash. Maybe but, you won't need an emergency are, vehicle. Exactly. But th- this is the kind of thing that uh, they were they were pointing to every little thing, and somebody was saying, well, how much did you get paid off? And, and in fact, in the background, you're, you're seeing how many people got up and just discussed it. Uh, they, there were so many people there, they had to give them a minute apiece. And um, the planners, uh, Nick Bear, uh, excuse me, um, Nate Bear, who came out and and talked about this from LA DOT as the next phone call comes in, was uh, uh, really good at, at illuminating some of the questions about the plan itself. Let's see who's on the phone now. Let me just hand it
3: right over to you. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, let me describe what's happening here in detail. The uh, cordless Panasonic phone has been handed to me. And, and I it will may
1: not keep a charge. It so may not. Uh, you better answer that really send quick. Send
3: your money in. Uh, we're not fundraising today, but uh, we could always use a little extra Radio. juice. So, but I digress once again, because on the line with us right now, psychically, I'm going to predict that this is the current uh, director of the South Bay Bicycle Coalition, Mr. No. Mike Don? Former no? Director. Former Is he gone already? Gosh. Hello. Mike. talk. You Hello. Talk who's on the line, here.
6: ladies and gentlemen? I'm, I'm confused. I'm not sure who I am right
3: <laughs> now. Oh, well, then this must be Mike Don, because he's in a state of confusion most of the time.
6: <laughs> or rage.
3: Confusion or rage, right? <laughs> I, I'm
6: yes, call, yes. No, I'm, I'm never confused about my rage, but uh, in Only terms of who I am, I am and what I really do is uh, I was indeed the executive director of the uh, coalition and I became went on the board of the coalition, and we presently don't have an executive director. We are all, as a board, doing um, lots of things, and so I'm still doing some of the things that i did as
7: executive director
3: well thanks for straightening me out mike as as our listeners all know because they've followed my career um flow <laughs> by blow, um i started as a founding member of the board and then uh, took a leave of absence and i'm back now and i virtually know nothing about the board or the coalition which is why i was chosen to co-host this show <laughs> is, is it
1: is it a long board or a short board
3: um it's it's actually a boogie board <laughs> oh okay <laughs> but we're, we're chewing into Mike's time now and he is one of the most brilliant uh, strategists I have met and, uh, and a man that uh, has a way with words that uh, is going to wow you ladies and gentlemen right now. Uh, Mike, would you tell us a little bit about your work with the coalition and uh, what's going on now? We just heard from Marissa about the, getting the plan passed. What's going on with the implementation of the plan?
6: Well, one quick comment, if I'm the most brilliant strategist you've ever met, you have not met many strategists. But no, I and I don't do get out Appreciate much. the the comment. appreciate um, the comment. Uh, as, as Marissa, I'm sure, told you, the history of, of starting the master plan and all the work that went into it and all the public involvement that was uh, obtained from every, every uh, part of the South Bay, what we have found is that there has been a real inconsistent application and um, implementation of the South Bay Bicycle Coalition. I haven't figured out yet what the real reason is behind that inconsistency. We have leaders like the City of Redondo Beach who have understood that it is important to have bicycle infrastructure and anybody who as I do, unfortunately, frequently now, commute from Santa Monica to the South Bay, and it can take over an hour and a half to drive it, and it takes roughly an hour and a half to ride it as well and uh, during rush hour. And so the idea of getting cars off the street is a really good idea. And I think a lot of people um, that recognize that, the people that ha- are true leaders uh... on city councils have been able to uh... be leaders and you've seen that happening in cities around the 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 la area including the city of los angeles and as i mentioned santa monica and long beach and there are many and and redondo beaches is is stepping up and may become one of those that we mentioned in the same graph with the city of la and the city of long beach working as i do in santa monica the uh, infrastructure that I've seen put in there, and I believe they've spent in the last few years about $2.5 million on bicycle infrastructure, and you can see, uh, although yesterday, of course, was a tragic exception, that Santa Monica is a very, very uh, livable place. It's a very attractive place for both uh, business and residents, and surprisingly, with all the infrastructure that they have put in in Santa Monica, Santa Monica consists, still today, is on the planet Earth. And some of the people who oppose bike lanes are certain that there will be Armageddon should you put painted bike lanes on that say, hey, cars, look out, there might be bikes nearby. And which, ironically, all that does is slow down traffic, makes it safer for Pedestrians makes it safer for riders, makes it safer for drivers. When cars are going slower, there are fewer accidents. So it's interesting that the South Bay has been so inconsistent in its application. So well, uh, with Redondo Beach, like I say, leading the way and, and uh, applying for funds at the, the most brisk pace, uh, they, they are at one end of the spectrum. We even have, uh, people in Lawndale and El Segundo attempting to put in, uh, bike infrastructure, putting it on master plans and working with the city council to do it. And, you know, ironically, if you look at Lawndale, uh, they have a very, very high, uh, ridership rate, some of which is out of necessity. Right. And so all the, all the more reason for bike lanes to be put in there because you also will see, and we've had some pretty um, tragic uh, incidents of bicycle accidents that could have been avoided, uh, but uh, they are at, least, uh, are, are at least trying. They face you know, some difficult financial um, situations, as do most cities, but it just takes real leadership in the governmental area.
3: And I'm uh, sensing from your statement, Mike, that, that you're not feeling that
6: leadership in all of these cities. No, you know, it's it's kind of ironic because, uh, you know, you called me a strategist. I, I guess I'm more of a pragmatist. I want to do the right things. I want kids and, and everybody to be safer. I want the roads to be safer. I want there to be fewer people on the roads. And in every campaign, um, as we recently had, for example, in Manhattan Beach, one of the wealthiest communities that we represent and, and try to advocate in, All of the the people expounded in a forum how much they support bike lanes, and yet when they had their first opportunity to do something with any kind of leadership, they reacted to a few phone calls and a few letters, and even though the number of letters in support was ten to one, they refused to do something because it was going to bother some people. Even after months and months and their own internal review, uh, they have their own PPIC, uh, committee that they appoint, the city council appoints. They 6-0 unanimously and enthusiastically, uh, supported doing the first thing, some bicycle sheroes, which we've oh no. sure already talked about, mere me. painting on the road. They, they refuse to even discuss it. And I, I think it's you know the, the sad part when I do look back at strategy as you say, why would somebody oppose something so basic and something that doesn't do anything but say again, watch out, there could be bikes nearby, and unfortunately it it, it really reflects what goes on in the country today, in that everybody is so concerned about the prestige of position. That they are—they advocate laws and they implement laws based on being elected again, rather than protecting their community. And it, it, it just, you know, it, it hurts me to see things like that, especially when prior to being elected, they would have found their support for a bicycle infrastructure. It's Chinatown, so Jake. It, it's The answer to your question, and I know I've been long-winded, but um, as you mentioned earlier, I've also been brilliant. The Wait, there was supposed to be a laugh there.
3: (laughs) I'm just stunned (laughs) that you took me seriously. (laughs) Oh,
6: okay. All right, (laughs)
3: Apparently, you don't know when you're being Uh, flattered.
6: That we've had this inconsistency. Again, Redondo Beach should be commended, and I know you may be speaking uh, to Sean Guthrie, who grew up. In the South and's lived in many of the South Bay cities, and presently is one of the you know uh, people that rides the most in uh, Redondo Beach and in the beach cities. And uh, I'm sure he'll share that the uh, what the the city is willing to do. It, it's fun in Redondo Beach. We we can all kind of creatively argue about what's the best way to put in bicycle infrastructure. In some of the other cities, it's how do we even get the city council to be leaders and do what they know is right and what we know is in the best interest of public safety, when if two or three people uh, object, they would rather not upset anybody or upset those um, people by kicking the can down the road, just like we see in in the federal government today. Everybody wants to be reelected, so they refuse to take a leadership position, which while many people don't like Jerry Brown. He said, I'm not being reelected, and he's doing what he thinks is right. That's leadership.
2: So, hey, Mike, this is Erica.
6: Hey, Erica, how you doing?
2: Good. Um, So we're talking about challenges with city councils, and one thing that comes up frequently, I'm sure you hear this, is that uh, they're frustrated with the spandex crowd. And, you know, a lot of times when they oppose projects, they say, well, we don't want more of those spandex riders that are going to just blow through all the stop signs and they don't respect the rules of the road. And, you know, how do you feel like that's one of the most common arguments whenever you're working with the different cities that are giving you pushback? And what do you think is the best strategy for dealing with that?
0: Well, there's the, the
6: the thing that is really neat about bicycle infrastructure, both in Los Angeles but also in the country and the world, is that everybody has been where we are, and so you can go to other communities. Uh, ironically, uh, the city a city that I've lived in for a long time, Portland, Oregon, uh, implemented their bicycle master plan about 14 years ahead of us, and so. You go anytime you go up to Portland, you'll see that their bicycle infrastructure is 14 years ahead of where we are here in the Los Angeles area. And again, what you see is um, it has not fallen off the face of the earth. People do obey stop signs. There are more commuters. What we're trying to do is protect the commuters and protect um, families that are using the road. So I think there is that misconception that if I put a bike lane down or I put a Shiro down, that all of a sudden there are going to be thousands of people riding from point A to point B. What we try to explain is you can go look in Santa Monica if you don't want to go as far as Portland, because a lot of people say, well, Los Angeles is not Portland. Well, Los <laughs> Angeles is made up of a lot of Portlands,
2: And the weather's a lot better.
6: And weather is a lot better, so we have the opportunity to take a lot more people off the streets yeah. than we do uh, up there. So the the truth of the matter is, unfortunately, there are people who drive cars too fast. There are bikers that will blow through stop signs, and those both of those things need to be worked on. We, as a coalition, have been working toward putting together a bicycle school where we can have asked the police to give out more tickets when they see people going through stop signs on bikes so that we can address that concern we also have and i think you're going to speak to jim hannon who founded the uh... beat city cycling coalition yes we well are. uh... club excuse me and uh... you can all of their led rides everybody stops at stop lights at stop signs and there's over i believe four hundred fifty members today yeah so there are people like us and like the Beach City Cycle Club that put safety first, that advocate uh, obeying the, the rules of the road, and we can help with getting some of those folks that are inconsiderate riders just like there are inconsiderate drivers. We all need to work to have those folks um, obey the law more.
3: Well, and a lot and of times they're the same people. One other
6: thing I just want to mention, Erica, related to that is when you look at something like we were merely trying to put some Sheros on one street in Manhattan Beach uh, that did not get heard, the concern is that all of a sudden all of these uh, spandex people, which really aren't all spandex people, all the you know many of the people that are are in the, the city cycle club wear spandex, but they obey the rules. The um, that that spandex crowd or those racing people won't go on side streets. Exactly. They are going from point A to point B as fast as they can yes. and the streets that we're trying to deal with are streets with commuter traffic and streets uh, which have family traffic uh, that go to and from schools, things like that. Now we are trying to develop a, an entire grid and so there will be some larger streets involved of course, but the spandex crowd, go, or again we should call them the inconsiderate riders Go from point A to point B. This is not going to affect it. We're trying to share that information, trying to share the experiences of other cities that have already gone through this implementation.
3: Right, and I think you know the the big umbrella over that whole issue is ignorance, um, and that's why the education um, effort that we're doing, and that we'll talk to Jim Hannon as you correctly predicted a little later today, will will really focus on that because the fact of the matter is is that the average. Uh, automobile driver has no idea what the rules of the road are regarding bicyclists, and I dare say that a good percentage of people riding bikes on the public streets don't have any idea that they are uh, responsible for acting like a vehicle and and required to follow all the same rules of the road as a car does. And uh, once we get to the point where that's not uh, there's not a base of ignorance about those issues, then I think we'll have a, a good starting point to correct uh, some of the bad behavior on both sides. Wouldn't
6: you say? Yeah, yeah, no. I think it's 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 indeed it's it's the, the education of everybody toward what can also the possibilities. Again, there's study after study reflects that putting bicycle infrastructure slows traffic speed. It does not slow traffic throughput. Right. On. And that's really really important to clarify is that rather than going sixty and stopping at a light you can go the speed limit, 35, and and make the lights. And that's how our streets are designed. And right now, the major streets, people uh, do that stop and go speeding, which is very unsafe. And putting bicycle infrastructure will actually, again, make it safer for drivers.
4: Well, it's
3: right on. And I want to thank you. Uh, we've run out of our time for our interview with you at the moment, um, but... Uh, as I did with Marissa, you you picked up that torch uh, from Marissa with the board of directors and carried us, um, I think, to a very good place where, we, where we're at now. I'm proud to be serving on the board with you, and uh, I expect that a lot of these challenges that we've talked about today are things that uh, people like
6: you and I and the rest of the board of directors are ready and willing to tackle head-on. We are not, not going to give up and we're going to get there. And people like you and Erica and the folks that put on the show and the uh, Los Angeles County um, Bicycle Coalition, there, there's a lot of people making a lot of things happen. And, you know, it's even good uh, news when the, the LA Times has to cover the green bike lanes are, are causing problems for doing movie production. Uh, because they don't want to see the green in it, and it just highlights again to people, watch out, we're sharing the road. That's all yeah. we want to do. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Mike. I
3: wish you a great rest of your weekend, and I hope you get to get out there and ride. Oh, I will indeed. Thank you, guys. Thanks,
2: Mike. Thanks. Bye-bye.
3: So once again, that was Mike Don, a uh, current board member with the South Bay Bicycle Coalition. And, you know, we were talking about sharrows there, and I dare say yeah. pretty much everybody that's listening um, that's a bicyclist knows what a sharrow is. But yeah. because of our vast new audience, drawn in by the presence of Eric and I today around the world. Yeah. Tell what us famous. what a sharrow is. Famous. Yes, world famous. Well, a sharrow. I mean the the origin of the word is two words share and arrow basically and a sharrow is a funny thing because it's a big stencil that they put on the street and it's got a bicyclist on it and some chevrons and uh, it's one of the most controversial things you can put on a public street, apparently, because in reality, it does nothing. It tells you that you you can obey the law in this particular lane, because that's Shero ba- doesn't change a law, doesn't change the way you're supposed to ride. It basically tells motorists, hey, a bicycle can take this whole lane, and they can drive in the part of the road that's safest for them, and you need to yield to them. That's the law. Hey, we've got another caller coming in now. I hope it's somebody to talk about Sharrow. Yeah. So uh, uh, just just
1: quickly, uh, I'm going to touch on this, and we're going to get to the call. Uh, he mentioned the green bike lane, and in fact, as we speak, um, uh, Mr. Morales from Carlos Morales from the Eastside Bike Club, they're doing a ride as we speak. It might just be starting downtown trying to save those green lanes wow and being part of the film community i have to say there's got to be a technical answer can't they just like green screen out the the green lane you would think and, so. anyway we'll, but we'll move ahead
3: speaking of controversy about bicycle lanes we have a, a wonderful guest uh, with us on the line now a friend of mine and someone i've uh, served with uh, at the vitality city bike walk committee back in the day mr sean guthrie of redondo beach is with us now hello sean Hello, Joe. How are you? Doing well. Thanks so much for being willing to join us today. Sure. My pleasure. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Sean brings a a terrific perspective. Mike Don uh, touched on it uh, in our last call. Uh, Sean, you're a South Bay native
0: and I've lived your whole life in that area. Am I right? Yes, I grew up in Manhattan Beach and lived in Hermosa and now Redonda for the past 20 years.
3: And um, as a profession, um, besides being a local uh, South Bay person and somebody that's been riding since they were a kid, um, your profession now has you involved with the uh, the harbor down there in Redondo Beach, does it not?
0: Uh, correct. My family has owned and operated King Harbor Marina for over 40 years now. And when it comes to
3: uh, the harbor and bicycles, um, this has been a long-running issue. We have um, when you uh, take the bike path—that's the Marvin Browdy bike path—starts uh, at Rat Beach in Torrance and runs uh, all the way to Marina Del Rey. There's at least the one portion of it there in Redondo Beach on Harbor Drive where you've got to get off the bike path and get onto the public street. Correct, and uh, that goes right by uh, the the harbor where where you do business and where you uh, where you you and your family have been involved in a long time. And there's been a lot of controversy down there about uh, what to do about that stretch of Harbor Drive. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about what the the history of that area is and what's been proposed and and what's going to be happening now?
0: Uh, well, as you've mentioned, my family's been involved. Uh, um, with this issue for many years dating back to probably close to 30 years ago when harbor drive used to have two lanes of traffic on each direction and no bike lanes my dad was instrumental in getting that changed to one lane each direction and adding the bike lanes on on either side of the street um and then more recently in the last uh, what 12 13 years the idea came up about combining the two lanes on one side, of, on the west side of the street, into a more um, bike, uh, separated bike path, and it got slowed down by a lot of politics and whatnot, and finally it it uh, kind of got, got some um, traction in the last few years, especially with the Blue Zones project coming to town, and, um, you know, but probably about seven years ago, Uh, we proposed, you know, um, some um, more uh, exciting um, renderings of knocking down the wall at the um, end of Hermosa Beach Strand and opening that parking lot up to create a smoother transition on a Harbor Drive uh, bike path path concept. It was very well received, but unfortunately, again, politics got in the way. (laughs) But now it's finally coming to fruition. And along the way, there's, you know, some wanted the bike path along the water, which is just, you know, as, as little as 100 yards away from the Harbor Drive. So there's very little room in between the street and the and the water. And others wanted to keep the bike lanes as is. Um, but City Council, what about a month or two ago, decided to go with the bike path on the West Side of the Harbor Drive, so that's being designed right now as we speak, and um, they're hoping to start construction on it in January of next year.
3: Wow. Well, that, that'll that probably be one of the most exciting changes uh, to the to the bike infrastructure in the South Bay, and it's amazing to me because it's really only, as you mentioned, about a mile long, but it's been the point of contention, as, as you say, for, for over a dozen years. Mm-hmm. But yep. uh, let, me, let me put you in the Wayback Machine a little here because mm-hmm. we, we have such a great opportunity with you uh, almost as our living historian. Tell us a little <laughs> bit about what it was like riding uh, bikes in the South Bay when you were a kid.
0: Oh, well, you know, it was pretty safe. I mean, uh, even starting as early in grammar school, um, you know, we were either walking or biking to school on our own. And I think in those days because a combination of um, many people there was many um, stay-at-home you know, parents, mostly mothers, of course, and um, so there was kind of a lot of eyes on the street, and so many kids doing that, walking and biking to school. It was pretty safe, and I just loved that um, experience, and I carried it on to my adult life. I mean, even going to high school when I had a driver's license, uh, you know, we didn't have cars, we were still biking up the hills to uh, to get to the high school, which was one of the highest points in Manhattan Beach, um, from where I live near down almost at ocean level. and uh, you know it was a great way to get you know exercise and you know not have to have your mom shuttling you around all the time and so I just see today's lifestyle where as more and more parents are shuttling their kids around, there's more traffic and it's becoming less safe uh, or has become less safe. And so parents then justify not letting their kids walk or bike to school, which is a shame because um, I think the beach area, particularly with the weather we have year round, it uh, um, shouldn't be that way. And, and hopefully with Blue Zones Project, that's, we're kind of making some headways to changing that um, attitude. and, and The walking school bus is a great program to start to get kids back out, walking back and forth to school, um, and then eventually uh, biking as well.
3: Well, that's the perfect opportunity for for me to uh, turn things over to Erica here because uh, many of uh, the folks listening to us today probably don't know what Blue Zones is. And, uh, and where it is. And, uh, Erica, you happen to be involved in this. Can you, uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, what started as the Vitality City project and is now, uh, kind of morphed into Blue Zones? Mm
2: hmm. Love to do that. So, Sean, if you don't mind, I'm gonna go off on a tangent for a minute. No worries. Um, so, Blue Zones project started a long time ago uh, when Dan Buettner, who's this National Geographic explorer, he traveled around the world and he found places where people lived to be a hundred at a much higher rate than anywhere else, and he dubbed these areas Blue Zones. And he found uh, one in Okinawa, Japan, and in the Nicoya Peninsula of Costa Rica, and then a small. Uh, portion of italy and then also actually believe it or not in our uh... own southern california loma linda california so not too far from l.a. and then um so he wrote this book he studied these places in depth and he found what they all had in common that led to longevity and healthier happier people and he wrote a book about it and um, then this company called Healthways came along and stumbled upon this information and they said, Hey, what if we create blue zones in different parts of the United States? We could improve people's health, we could reduce healthcare dollars, we could make everyone, you know, healthier and happier and just improve the, you know, the US And so um they they put out a a, a request for proposals from cities all over the US and a bunch of them applied and The beach cities, so Redondo Beach, Hermosa Beach, and Manhattan Beach, won um, to be the first pilot site to try and create a Blue Zones in the United States. And um, so we've been at it for the last two and a half years. Our whole uh, concept is that we, we, instead of uh, taking away choices from people, we want to maintain the choices that people have, but kind of help nudge them towards healthier choices.
3: Make the so, healthy choice the easy exactly, choice,
2: right? Exactly. Our slogan is "Make the healthy choice the easy choice." So we we try and get permanent changes in um, school environments, work sites, grocery stores, restaurants, um, community policy, which is you know where where the cycling comes in, um, to really nudge people towards making healthier choices. So. Sean has been a great part of our uh, Livability Committee, which is a community-led committee within Blue Zones project where we uh, advocate um, with the city councils and the beach cities for improvements in bicycle facilities, improvements um, that would make the community more walkable, more livable, um, just a place that really promotes active transportation over cars. So,
3: um, and this has been a, a great passion of Sean's. Uh, when I served with him on the bike walk livability, livability um, uh, committee, um, Sean was not a shrinking violet. Um, he has strong opinions on, on these issues. Uh, they I happen to agree with them, so they, that makes them really smart opinions. And, uh, Sean puts in uh, the work. He walks the walk. And I want to thank you for that, Sean, because you clearly oh, made a difference. Well, like I said, I
0: just was very blessed with a great life style of growing up as a kid and I've tried to maintain that through my adult life and as a matter of fact just got off my bike from riding over to have breakfast uh, um, and uh, you know instead of dri- getting in my car and driving there.
4: Well,
2: oh so you're uh, in route right now somewhere on your bicycle? No no
0: no no I'm back <laughs> I'm sitting here. Oh, okay. <laughs> my, well you're a real um, inspiration oh, for the rest be, uh, of us. Uh, riding and it's just like uh driving and and talking on the phone it's not not wise especially on the street <laughs> remember that kids not safe well
5: um, <laughs>
3: got to
0: pay attention um but uh yeah it's it's um it's like i said i think it's unfortunate that we i think Personally, there is a direct correlation with the amount of people, time people spend sitting behind the wheel of their car as well as at work um, in front of a computer and um, not um, somehow you know, changing uh, their, their um, way, they, way they do things um, so that they combine moving around as the Blue Zones Project theme move naturally. You know, take the stairs instead of the elevator, you know, um, walk, you know, whenever possible, as well as bike and, you know, that sort of thing. And that would um, increase their exercise while reducing the amount of time they are sitting there inactive, which would then make them.
3: Well, you're the living embodiment of that, Sean. I don't think I've ever seen you get out of a car or into one. Uh, and anywhere I've ever seen you, you've always <laughs> rolled up on your bike, so uh, I said it before. Well, I do own a
0: car, but oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I think the national average is something like uh, people drive about uh, close to 18,000 miles a year. My car has got about an average of 6,000 a year on it, so I'm uh, driving a third of the average uh, American.
3: Well, if everybody was doing what you were doing, we wouldn't have the, the climate crisis we have right now or the obesity crisis. So um I, I will continue to use you as one of my inspirations
2: yes, you really walk the walk the talk for sure literally uh, Ra- ride the talk yeah
0: <laughs> uh, I do think it's probably the best way to um to promote such lifestyle changes um as opposed to you know just telling people don't don't do as I do, do as I say.
4: <laughs> well, we
3: really appreciate you giving us uh, some of your time this morning, uh, Sean. It's been a pleasure talking to you. We appreciate your perspective, and I, I look forward to the day uh, next year when we both get to ride that New Harbor uh, Drive Cycle Track.
0: Yeah, well, my my um, uh, the, the first moment I'm, I'm very excited to have happen is the r- groundbreaking, where hopefully they'll let me... Put a sledgehammer in my hand to to that big wall at the Hermosa Strand um, and see that come down, and then obviously um, the completion of the new bike path um, onto Harbor Drive. Uh, that'll be an exciting moment too when wow. uh, there's a rib- ribbon cutting for that.
2: Well, of all the people who have been involved in trying to get that project moving forward, I can't think of anyone who deserves to have that honor more than <laughs> you do. So thanks so much, well, Sean, that. for all your tireless work over the last couple of years with Blue Zones Project and, you know, far before that to try and make some improvements in bicycling infrastructure in the South Bay. So well, thanks for calling in and, you know, having You're welcome, riding.
0: and thanks for all that you guys are doing, too. Our pleasure. All right, take care.
2: Take care.
1: Take
4: care. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: All right. It is Spike Talk here on Kill Radio and KPFK on the podcast. And uh, today I'm done by uh, a couple of our guests from the South Bay. And, uh, yeah, you, you can't help it after hearing that, hoping that uh, we all get to that century mark uh, with, with those blue zones and stuff, but it seems like we're going to have to go through the color spectrum. And, in fact, as we mentioned earlier, there's still a ride going on downtown, trying to save the green zones. Uh, These are uh, bike-visible lanes that are colored green. Uh, Of course, uh, in their infinite wisdom, Los Angeles decided to put it in on one of the wettest weekends of the year, and that's why it's not really that green anymore. Uh, Maybe they'll pick another day, another Mm. week to do that. Anyway, having said that, uh, a brief calendar before our next uh, uh, guest gets on tonight uh, over in... uh, northeast los angeles of course the spoken art ride starting out at uh, the flying pigeon and we also hear a tale that uh, uh, margaret galler has, has re uh sort of uh coordinated herself and and uh taken over the tunnels there and is doing an art show over there anyway let's get back to the phones here uh, it is Bike Talk, and let's see if we can't get to our next
3: guest. It's amazing. The phones are literally ringing <laughs> yeah, off the hook. We are off the so hook. popular and here. We, we really appreciate the fact that each of our callers is making a substantial pledge to Bike Talk to keep the show going on <laughs> on the Internet. Thank you. Thank you, callers. You're the best.
2: So I think the next person on the phone is Ron Peterson. Ron, are you there? I am. Oh, thanks for joining us.
4: Hi, Ron. I have to say, I've already committed a financial gift to NPR, so you guys are out of luck.
3: Oh,
2: well, well
3: maybe next time. Maybe well, next for time. For
2: others who would like to call in with their pledge, our phone number here is 213
3: And $5 makes a real difference. $5 <laughs> a month, really. You spend that uh, much on coffee, no, ladies and gentlemen. No, no, it's not.
1: That's, I not, spend how we, that's that much not how much on we do it. coffee every
2: day. <laughs> but we're cutting into Ron's time. <laughs> so, Ron and I uh, go way back he used to be my cycling coach when I was uh, trying to make it into the big leagues.
1: Were you amateur as opposed to professional or were you just like like uh, our our guest Joe here? Were you just like I don't know. Joe, what did oh, you know? She's pro-talent.
3: She is
2: pro-talent. No. <laughs> no, Ron can tell you I was amateur for a good 95% of my career. Um, but Ron, can you tell us a little bit about what you do?
4: So I have been a cycling coach for the last so 12, 13 years now, and I work with athletes of all skill and fitness levels from people who are training for a big ride, let's say at the end of the summer, or people like Erica who are hoping to move up into the pro ranks.
3: And, and just how good was Erica in her oh, prime? Uh,
4: no, no, let's not go there. there. No. Okay, well, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw all the
1: cars down and say Erica was awesome. Oh. And let's just just, go just Google her and look at her videos. That's all I I did have. not pay
2: him to say can that. You,
1: can you give us just a brief uh, list on how somebody would do this? Uh, say I'm interested, uh, where would be the first steps to do this?
4: As far as working with a coach? Yeah. So, or, so essentially, um, you would just contact me, then I would sit down with you over coffee, figure out what you want to do, where you are now, what your training schedule is, what your work schedule is, etc. And then I would go back and spot out the best way for you to utilize your time to make sure that you meet your goals, whatever those goals happen to be.
3: And how do you know how to do that, Ron? What's your background?
4: I have, well, I have also raced pro just like Erica and I've been racing for 20 something years. I'm a certified USCF coach. I have been doing this as my profession for again, 12, 13 years. So I've been around the block a few times. I've worked with a number of athletes and moved and helped them go from straight amateurs up to the professional ranks, and also lots of professionals who just want to be better on the bike.
2: Cool. So, so Ron, I think you race in Europe, right? If I if I'm not mistaken, where I were did. you racing?
4: I was outside of Brussels in Belgium, actually in Ghent.
2: So, how often did you see the sun?
4: Very rarely. <laughs>
2: So many, many rides in the rain, I'm guessing
4: Yes, it was almost daily that the rides were in the rain
2: So yes, a- living in L.A., people really don't have an excuse not to go out on their bike, huh?
4: Absolutely none Especially <laughs> Absolutely in the South none Bay whatsoever.
3: <laughs> and, and Ron, if I'm correct, you lived in the South Bay Do you not? Yes, I lived in the Redondo Beach So um, what, what's your experience and what's your take on, on what riding is like
4: down there? Well, it's in the South Bay, you don't have many options as far as bike routes go where you're trying to stay away from traffic. And so primarily, most of the cyclists head over to Palos Verdes. And Palos Verdes is beautiful.
3: Oh, absolutely. It's, it's If you haven't been there, it's kind of like the French Riviera along the coast there, but extremely hilly. And uh, as a bike rider as opposed to a cyclist, uh, I look at those hills and think, boy, I wish someday I could pedal up those. I- inclines, right?
4: Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so you are also a bike professional, as Erica has told us, and, and work at a bike shop. No. Um, no.
5: Well, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
4: I, I, I also, if people have issues with their bike fit, let's say they're having discomfort, they're having knee issues, anything along those lines, I actually do bike fit out of a bike shop. So I'm not an employee there, but a gotcha. the contractor out of there.
3: And uh, exactly. the, the idea of a bike fit is, sounds exotic to someone like me, but to Erica, that would be uh, just a normal course of, of learning to be a racer. Would I be right about that?
4: Exactly. It's, it's a necessary aspect of it. If you're trying to be as comfortable and as efficient as you can be on a bike, then you really need help to make sure that you're optimizing your position. And that, you know, someone like Erica, who's spending, at that point, what, 15 hours, up to 20 hours a week on the bike, you need to be comfortable but even someone that's spending two three hours a week on a bike why be uncomfortable you know be as comfortable and as efficient as you possibly can and you'll just enjoy it more
3: that sounds great. I'm thinking I'm going to have to hook up with you and get a bike fitting. That sounds good. And then you can teach <laughs> me how to use my new uh, clipless bike shoes, which are a mystery to
5: yeah.
3: me. <laughs> but but we digress. You, do you really
1: need all this equipment, though, uh, to actually start a, a regiment? Do I need to go out and get expensive shoes, expensive bikes, and uh, let's just say, uh, do I have to really wear spandex because it's becoming or what?
4: <laughs> no. It's, well, so it's, I guess, there are many, many different analogies that you can put for it. But hypothetically, it's like skiing. Do you need fancy skis to go skiing? Absolutely not. You need the basics. You need to not be cold. You know, you need to have skis that at least are functional. But you can have a great time skiing on mediocre equipment. But if you really want to get the most out of it, and most people will do this as they progress through the sport and get better, that's when you want to get the nicer equipment. But to just go out and get your heart rate up and have fun and and have a decent workout, absolutely not.
2: What's your favorite thing about cycling? (sighs) Hmm,
4: That's a good question. (laughs) There's there's not many other activities that you can do that you can have the adrenaline rush of, of a long, winding descent where you're pushing, you know, 30, 40, 50 miles an hour, and then not... Not long afterwards, you can have the the workout advantages of climbing set hill again and having your heart rate up in the one seventies, and then also the social aspect of it. A good portion of my my social infrastructure comes from my cycling friends.
2: Absolutely, it's
4: a, it's a great way to spend time with buddies.
2: Yeah, it's definitely uh, quite a community. You know, once you are, you know, on a bike, there's just something. You see other people riding, and it's that immediate sense of having a connection and a relationship and a, a understanding of each other and wanting to be out there in the fresh air and, you know, moving on your own power. It's just, you know, it's, it's really neat, the sense of community that's in the cycling community.
3: And we've yeah, really seen really that is. in the South and Bay, too.
2: It does attract certain
4: personality types as well. It's you find that people that are out doing something on their on their bike they tend to be positive and you know they're they're proactive and they're they're just out trying to enjoy life and i don't know many people that would would not want that in their their social structure
3: oh if it were only that wonderful <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was just last week when two well, okay, two so serious cyclists are, threatened that's... to hit me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm sorry go ahead ron
1: so, see, so Ron is laughing uncontrollably here
3: and can't get a word in H. <laughs> <by it. laughs> Go ahead, Ron. Oh, well, I was just saying, of course, there are
4: exceptions. That's
3: it. <laughs> oh, good. I, I think I met a couple of those guys uh, on the <laughs> beach bath uh, last week.
2: I'm kind of curious, going back to racing in Belgium, what was the cycling culture like there between cars, bikers, law enforcement, you know, can you talk a little bit about that, and maybe how it contrasts with uh, cycling culture here in the Southern California?
4: So the biggest difference is well, there's actually two big differences. One is that there's a, an infrastructure set in place throughout most of at least Northern Europe, where cycling is an accepted means of transportation, and so there's nowhere near as much conflict between bikes and cars. Well, one, because you have the infrastructure to not be in the car's way a lot of the time. Two, it is an accepted activity, either as a means of exercise or as a means of transportation. So there's not anywhere near as much conflict. And a third aspect is most people over there at one point or another have actually ridden a bike for any One of those various reasons, and so it's not like us and them. It's you know us the cyclists versus them the drivers, or the other way around. It's just okay. You're out here doing essentially. You're out here doing something that I understand, and so I'm not going to hassle you. How utopian? (laughs) Uh, I wouldn't say that, but uh, it's a matter of degrees. It's it's much more accepted than here.
2: We'll put it that way. Do you think that there's any possibility that, you know, Southern California could could reach that at some point?
4: I think in a generation, it may not be, it's taken a long time for cycling to become part of society in Europe. Or it's almost, it's almost like it's always been there. So... Mm -hmm. It's not as if there were bikes and then, there, and then everyone was in a car and now we're trying to get back to bikes. In Europe, it was just kind of there. You know, Bikes were always a viable option. And here, it's all, I think it can happen on a generational basis. So I think all the hipsters you see out there on their fixies, as they grow older and as they become um, drivers themselves, I think it's, it's just a normal, normal part of life. And so I can see it progressing to the point where it's closer to Europe, but it's going to take a long time.
3: And I think the the, the generational aspect is right on because uh, one thing that we're seeing now, and I I view it as a really positive sign, is that the the millennial generation is just not that interested in owning cars. Um, uh, Percentage-wise, compared to the baby boomer generation, it's a huge difference. Um, Yeah, very true. And, and that can only help us um, reduce the amount of traffic on the roads and, and probably get more people onto bicycles as a result.
4: Totally agree. It's, and there's an example of this was the Ciclovia that happens. oh, what was it, a month ago, two months ago?
3: It's coming
1: up on the 23rd.
4: There we go. But the, the last one was insane. There were, by some estimates, what, 250,000 people out there? It was just ridiculous. And that is something that never would have been the case ten years ago and if you look at the average age of the participants, it is generational because most of them are, you know, in their teens and twenties.
3: Yes, that that was my experience riding in there. And and, and obviously um, we in the South Bay, having watched what's gone on, having participated, come you know, come to downtown and, and throughout the Los Angeles area we can't wait to do something like that uh, down in the beach communities and and through the seven cities that we have this master plan. You know, in a perfect world, uh, we could bring a hundred thousand people bicyclists on the streets of the South Bay and these seven cities and show people exactly uh, where these bike lanes should be and how how well they will be received.
4: Could not agree more. I think that would be that would be a great event.
3: I'm. I'm glad you just volunteered to help us with that.
4: (laughs) I'm not sure if I heard that. but Okay.
3: Erica will be there. (laughs) Thanks, Ron. Okay.
1: Thanks, Ron. Uh, We actually have to get. Thanks, Ron. We have to get to the next call, and um, we'll we'll talk to you some other time. I hope.
3: Appreciate your time. Maybe about the Paris
4: Roubaix run. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay. Take care now. Bye. Bye.
3: But I have to say we're kind of covering the waterfront here, and yeah,
1: we've we've no pun intended from from infrastructure to uh, to to blue zones to uh, let's just say a little bit of racing there. So this is pretty fantastic, and of course we're uh, waiting the next thing. I'm I'm wondering. um, I always do the opposite transition. It's like you get on a bike. And you have fun. Yeah. And that fun thing is always kind of with me. And I'm I'm just wondering, when you turn from fun into doing infrastructure, when is that moment when you say, hey, you know, I want to improve the lanes for my friends, too, so I'm not just riding alone or something. So uh, for some people, it happens really quick. And I I mentioned uh, Margaret uh, Gallagher, who's doing the art show. She's actually just started writing a year or two ago, but she was doing it Oxy, and she decided that instead of getting into a car and going back and forth, she'd uh, sort of investigate or, or branch out and see the uh, the surrounding area. And if you know anything about Occidental, it's not like it's closed off, but it's kind of one side of the hill there. Yeah. And, and then nobody ever really goes down and looks at business. Sometimes they get some sort of uh, fall off into the economy. She decided to just make a log and she's an artist so she she made an art piece with it and so uh it just expanded the next thing you know she was having a call for artists she had an art night at occidental and it's just bloomed from there now as i stated earlier she's doing the uh where she's reclaiming i like to think of it as like you know early explorers throwing a flag into the side of the thing and say "I, i you know i I, I claim this, this land for the for the, s- for the <laughs> Queen for Spain. of Spain. Yes, <laughs> yes of course, and I'm Sorry, so uh, Indians who were occupying it. Right, them. right. <laughs> and, and that's that's the big thing I always have, but they've reclaimed what used to be I I guess we thought that these underground uh uh byways for uh students wasn't the healthiest way mm. i i thought it was if you live and all you have to do is go into the street but apparently there was other things going on under the street
3: well reclaiming uh, is a key word yeah i think that's what what bicycle advocates like us are trying to do we're trying Absolutely. to reclaim the streets which we already rightfully own
1: yes um, or or we're we're, we're, we're sort share. Of, share exactly <laughs> we're going to a complete streets uh, kind of thing and that's that's the argument that i heard last monday it's like They're taking over our things. It's going to be this much longer for our car, as if the car had a personality and a name and... uh was getting a health insurance. Uh, the amazing thing extra. is how
3: politicized this has gotten. It is. I mean, let, you know, I'll be flat out. I am I'm to the left of the Democratic Party. Right. Um, sure. But it is clear to me. Get out of town. I, know. I know. It's hard to believe. Southern California.
1: They haven't well,
2: kicked you out of L.A. yet? No,
3: no, what, no. What's really amazing,
1: too, is even people that you would never think about getting onto to uh, reutilizing space and stuff, we, we have uh, some of the examples from New York with how they've Sort of remodified uh, Broadway because it was cutting at an angle, and so they took all these little spaces that were sort of designated as as car parking lots and stuff, or or something else for uh, infrastructure and uh, remaking public space.
3: It's an outdoor cafe with tables, and somebody
1: like AAA, who is uh, I would say on the other end of the spectrum. I agree. The bike zone. They did a piece this last, uh, for their magazine, uh, the Westwards magazine, all about uh, green space. And I would have it here, but I'm, I'm doing this from memory. Uh, they covered places <laughs> that we have covered here on Kill Radio. Uh, uh, the triangle p- uh, lot over there in uh, Echo Park, where okay. mm-hmm. they the just sort of, they put dots on the ground. I think they wanted to do that because they didn't want to scare people. They thought, well, if we put dots, they'll think they're drunk. And so they'll, <laughs> they won't notice that this is actually public space. Uh, that we've taken away a lane. And that was the big discussion. There was even critical uh, kind of dissent when when it came in. I remember when Eric Garcetti was kicking it off, who's now the mayor, Mm -hmm. uh, there was somebody heckling the whole time. And he said, look, we can discuss this or we can just go on with the the ribbon cutting. And he, he really did try to find the guy afterwards to discuss it, but by that time he'd gotten in his car and ran away. I think that's what we're trying to do with these bike lanes to show that if you do reinvent the lane. We're not taking away a lane. We're just opening it up to bikes. If you do this, uh, there's other improvements, specifically with some of this funding, to improve not just the street, but the, the way there's uh, certain treatments that are done that might not only get traffic to move faster, I mean vehicular traffic, but to also seem like wow, I'm slowing it down. Therefore, it's a safety factor. Therefore, yeah. everybody is going to be able to benefit this, not only bike riders, but uh, pedestrians, and, and also if you have less cars in the street, even maybe somebody in their car because it's going to be a less commute Imagine time. that. Well, right now they're they're sort of gauging it with the amount of traffic that's there, but I like to think that uh, the amount of traffic is always up for debate. Well, when you're and, moving people instead of cars.
3: And when you're talking about traffic and specifically where we're from in the South Bay, we we don't have any space to add any more lanes for cars. There there isn't any exactly. more magic uh, bullet that we can. And in fact, w- we have too many cars. We have gridlock right now. We've got, you know, the main artery throughout this whole area is Pacific Coast Highway, which in some areas is turns into Sepulveda Boulevard. Yes. I don't know a sane person that wants to ride on that road. Yeah. Uh, but but I should have the I, I right. I think I wrote
1: it just, just the other day.
3: Well, and I'd like to have the right and the ability to ride on that yeah. street. I've lived in my house for 20 years. I've paid enough taxes to help uh, pay for these roads. You know, you often hear that from motorists who are yeah. uh, anti-bike. Hey, you guys don't pay taxes. You know, my car pays for these roads. Well, your Absolutely. car also puts all that crap in the roads, all that oil that goes down into the storm drains that brings bacteria and other stuff into the ocean, not to mention all the other problems that, that cars uh, bring with them. Uh, we've got to really take a hard look at the benefits and the detriments of this situation, because especially if you live in the, what I consider the single greatest place to ride in the United States. We have the most temperate climate. We have a gorgeous beach that you can ride for miles and miles and miles upon. Uh, where else in, in the entire world, in terms of environment, do you have a better place to ride than where we are? And not enough people out there on bikes because they're afraid.
1: Very nicely said. Well, as we, as we await the next uh, caller here on uh, Bike Talk here on Kill Radio and KPFK on the podcast, I'm uh, again kind of uh, having to agree that uh, Los Angeles does present itself in the outlaying areas. And we always uh, tend to forget that uh, I'm not just biking within Los Angeles County. I'm always trying to get out to the other sections for because I, I do try to cover the uh, zeitgeist to what's going here. I'm never really in Los Angeles, wait uh, very long. I'm always going to the other sides of the earth. Or uh, with my uh, uh, preferred profession, I, I sometimes travel uh, trying to uh, uh, do uh, uh, film production here in Los Angeles. So we're always looking for another spot that doesn't look like L.A. Yeah. to That's in L.A. or outlying areas to double for some of the
3: place that's hundreds if not thousands of miles away. And conversely, we have um, people who live in the South Bay who have never been to Los Angeles. Yes, who consider it yes. a foreign country, and <laughs> rarely venture from the beach communities. And,
1: yes, and but uh, that's not
3: Erica and I. Yeah, East no. Coast, West Coast, man.
1: Right. Yeah, South Coast, South Bay, South Bay,
2: <laughs> Central,
1: thing.
3: No, so no SoCal.
1: Yeah. Well, nowadays we're we're also seeing uh, Metro branching out into that and, and making different maps and stuff. Uh, it's about I've, time. I've I've seen some some real uh, foyers into into actually discovering or making uh, some of these other cities destinations and, I, and in fact that's what I think they were trying to do with this last Ciclovia to the Sea. Everybody complained that it was too long and people were getting lost and There wasn't enough traffic control, and the volunteers weren't volunteering hard enough. I heard every kind of thing. This next time, it's going to be actually short, and the 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 reason I'm bringing it up is there's actually been some uh, dissent uh, from, of all things, some of the church groups along the route, because they said, we can't drive our car because you're going to block it off, and we're saying, well, you know, it's a walking, biking event, you may want to... Discover some other form of transportation. They're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we need all the space for our cars.
3: Jesus never drove a car. <laughs> uh, I have it on good authority. pick
1: scared Jesus. Yes.
3: But Buddha uh, never rode yeah, in a vehicle. Yeah,
1: yeah. These these are the kind of things that uh, we're we're trying to overcome to re- enlighten you. And, and of course, they picked uh, Wilshire specifically to uh, to sort of highlight some of the architecture, uh, some of the the differing ways that uh, architects dealt with the same kind of motifs here in Los Angeles, some of the same problems in terms of utilizing space and stuff. And so uh, now, now this has changed it to an architecture show. But you can you can see how, how bike riding
3: or, or rediscovering your city sort of transcends all modes of transportation. It's one of the things I love about Ciclovia best, because we have some amazing architecture uh, here in Los Angeles. And it's, a, it's a, what my grandmother, my Bubby, would have called a mishigash of all different kinds of styles. But you can only really see that and appreciate it on a bike. If you're in your car, you've got that roof. Even if you've got the convertible, you're moving too fast. You don't have the perspective. On a bike, it's it's awe and wonder as you're riding and getting to see all these. And, Erica, I believe you I, have a I point. I know this
2: is bike talk radio, but I would like to politely disagree. I think there is another alternative to seeing things, and that's walking. I walk everywhere. I You know, when I'm not on my bike, I walk. And... When I walk, I really can see what local businesses are along the street. Good I can point. enjoy the architecture. You know, it's slowing down. It's not just getting out of your car. Um, it's being part of the street. You know, when you're in your car, you're in this sh- shell and you're completely removed from your surroundings. When you're walking or, or you're on your bike, you're, you feel like you're part of that street and you really experience everything and, um you know that's what i think this next ciclo is also trying to do is to to not just be about biking but also to promote walking and i think that's why they they've chosen a shorter route that really highlights a lot of the architecture along the route um personally i i plan on walking in
1: yeah and there's a uh, walkable bikeable routes uh, i don't know if you know this but all along there are, are the museums and stuff that uh sort of do make up the Miracle Mile. Let's see who's on the phone now. Well, oh, I have a strong suspicion
3: it might be the uh, the man that hey, I like to think it of. It is talk. Go ahead. Uh, hi, caller. Is this the uh, the man I like to think of as the godfather of biking in the South Bay?
7: Uh, I must have the wrong number. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I
3: recognize that voice. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, my pleasure to introduce to you now uh, Mr. Jim Hannon, who not only have I served with uh, very proudly on the uh, South Uh, What is the name of the organization I'm with? The South Bay Bicycle Coalition? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Jim and I are both founding board members of that organization. But Jim really has the credentials um, to to be there because Jim is also the founder and I believe still president of the Beach City Cycling Club. And we were just talking about how fantastic it is to ride in the South Bay. And and I can't think of a single person, even outside of Sean Guthrie, uh, who knows the joys and pleasures of, of riding pretty much everywhere you can in the south bay than jim hannon and last but not least jim is not only involved in the the coalition (laughs) and the cycling club but he also served with sean and i on the bikeable walkable uh committee of the livability committee of vitality city so uh, if i wasn't married to my wife i'd probably be married to jim hannon
2: (laughs) i don't know how he he has all the time to do all these things well
3: it helps that he's retired and he's immensely wealthy (laughs) man <laughs> has the most beautiful I bike and car. with
2: family. With
3: family, yes. He has no spare money. <laughs> but he does have a beautiful, beautiful bike and a beautiful hybrid car, too. And thank you for cutting your carbon footprint that way, Jim.
7: Uh, it, it, it's my pleasure. I think at this uh, this point in my life as a retiree, uh, maybe four years ago in August, um, I find myself involved in a lot of fun, exciting projects like the Uh, Blue Zones, which I I guess your audience is already familiar with, as well as the South Bay Bicycling Coalition and, and of course, the Beach City Cycling Club.
3: Can you tell us Uh, a little bit, Jim, about how did the Beach City Cycling Club get started? I know you've got over 450 members, if I remember correctly.
7: Yeah, I'll give you a quick history. Uh, We founded uh, the Beach City Cycling Club in June uh, 2007. should be six years ago, actually, this month. Um, I, I guess my expectation at that point, I uh, was getting ready to retire, and I, 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 I'd always loved to ride bikes, and so I was looking to try to get maybe fifteen, twenty good friends to ride bikes with, and uh, and so we started a club. Um, and I thought it was a different club at the time. I, I felt that you know our goals were uh, as much social as they were healthy, and you know, reasons to ride a bike and. And we really promoted, um, you know, cycling safety, and and uh, so anyway, I thought it was a little bit unique, and and as it turns out, here almost seven years later, uh, we just reached member number 422 this week, which uh, now makes us one of the largest cycling clubs in the uh, uh, Southern California area. So it's it's a it's an extraordinary growth. Um, I mean, example, we added 110 members alone in 2012, wow. which was pretty phenomenal to me because that was probably the size of the average club in the United States, and that was just one year growth. So. And we're growing, uh, you know, based on our reputation, and I think that that's also uh, says a lot about the membership and the people that join the club. They're very friendly. They're... very created a very nurturing environment um less competitive more recreation um, and uh in a very very social aspect of the club
2: So, Jim, um, I know that one of your passions is, you know, educating people of, you know, about how to ride a bike properly and safely and, you know, also working with kids to, to get them to love cycling from a young age. And can you talk a little bit about your education program that you've been launching in the elementary schools in the, in the South Bay?
7: Uh, sure. Um, you know, I'd like to maybe start with the Ride Leader program first because that is, uh, um, uh, let me just say what that is, is that it's a group of people within the club that uh, identify themselves as wanting to further their, their bicycle education. And, uh, and the club is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, and so anything that we take in uh, in the way of membership goes back out in the way of education. So the first thing we did is we gave the ride leaders um, an opportunity to educate themselves. They could either become a USA cycling coach, which many did, which I am. Uh, They could become a league cycling instructor through the League of American Cyclists. Uh, we even, uh, worked with the paramedics to create a a program called Rider Down and First Aid CPR as everybody's aware of. But what was unique about this is the fact that, you know, God forbid anything does, would ever happen to any of the cyclists on the road. But if something did, we wanted to have qualified people out there to help them. Well, as a result of the education that we provided within the club, we now have about 28 Ride leaders in the club. We have about uh, six or seven that are USA Cycling coaches, and we have eleven that are week cycling instructors. So, wanting to do more for the public, uh, we started a series of of uh, free uh, uh, bicycling education opportunities. And one of those opportunities were for uh, designed to be for adults, which is the Traffic School 101 Confident Cycling Class. Now this is also put out, uh, materials came from the League of American Cyclists and this is just a fabulous class. It's 12 hours and it really teaches you all the essentials that the adults need to know if they're riding on streets and commingling with cars. And then we introduced a A to Z bicycle education course that was far more extensive and this is a six week course, three hours each week. Uh, this is available also free, and um, we take people through that, in some cases, have never been on a bike, in some cases haven't been on a bike for 30, 40, 50 years, and they now want to adapt a healthy lifestyle, so we help them. And we take them through everything from balance to quick turns to emergency stops and to how to fix a flat tire and how to maintain a bike, uh, nutrition, um, we truly really in A to Z.
3: What a
1: great course, Jim. And
7: as a, also, the same people uh, that uh, are the ride leaders in cycling education and coaches and instructors, uh, they are helping me launch a youth bicycling education course right now, which we're piloting in a school in Manhattan Beach. And we're very excited about that. I think of all the achievements that we've had within the club. I think this is probably the most exciting for me personally. But the intention was is to when we first started to take a look at this, how we were going to launch this. We looked at a lot of different, site uh, um, youth educational programs throughout the country, and and, and most of them. Uh, were really people that would come in and actually teach the course. In some cases, they were police officers. They were—they would have a, a bike rodeo, if you will. And what we learned very quickly is it doesn't seem to be sustainable. Um, you know, it was a one-shot deal for four or five hours, and the kids would pick up some tools, but there wasn't really anything there to sustain it and encourage the kids to start riding their bikes to school and errands and and really do things like I did when I was a kid. So, in this course, we thought was a little bit different, and what we did is we have uh, four volunteer teachers that are already effective with the kids. They are already um, have personal relationships with parents of the kids, are well respected and uh, and excellent teachers. So, what we did is we taught them to become a bicycle instructor, and in doing so. Um, we are, um, it, it seems to be the, the community and the, uh, the school and the public and as well as the parents are really embracing the program as a result of this and and really seeing some good support from it. And uh, so currently we actually introduced this in January um, where we started to work with the teachers. Uh, we graduated the teachers about two months ago. Uh now we have lessons pl- lesson plans, and by the way, this covers grade through kindergarten up to eighth grade. And uh, so each grade, depending on the maturity of that child age, um, will have a different lesson plan and what we teach that child. But the intention is to be able to give them the appropriate amount of information at the appropriate time and age and their maturity. And get them to a point that there's a comfort um, and also using uh, safe routes to school uh, which is typically walking so now we're looking at also encouraging the kids to use the safe safe routes to school or bicycling and uh, we expect to have a full launch on this program by the way <laughs> um, for the city and it should be a pretty big launch will be in September And because this particular school that we're using is a Catholic school, uh, we're going to start with having a blessing of the bikes that morning and um, actually a full, safe week. we're going to cover everything from how to walk to school, lights, uh, you know, being out there, what to look for, uh, just a a full complement of safety items, and including uh their first course in the cycling education program so
2: that's all Very really exciting. exciting stuff Jim i mean as as we all know the best way to get to adults is through their kids a lot of times so if you get kids talking about something generally the parents will start talking about something and i think that that's a really key component to kind of changing the culture in a place where cycling, you know, is is a lot different than in Europe, where it might not be viewed as a, you know, legitimate alternate form of transportation. If you start getting kids more comfortable on their bikes and encouraging their parents to go on bike rides with them, I think that that's a really, you know, big part of that generational shift. Um, but I, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how. Um, how you've been influenced by Blue Zones Project and how, um, you know, your involvement on our Livability Committee and how you feel like uh, we've collaborated uh, with the Bicycle Coalition and the Cycling Club that you're president of.
7: Well, all these organizations seem to dovetail together very nicely in the sense that the uh, I, your audience probably already heard about the Blue Zones uh, walk-bike committee that um, I'm also chairperson on, co-chairperson. And, Erica, I know that you're a project manager for this. And uh, this is a, really a, an, an amazing opportunity for the residents of the Beach Cities to be able to have uh, this type of project um, uh, Overall arching program come into our community and, and, uh, work to get people more active and adopt active lifestyles. In this case, it's walking and biking, which dovetails very nicely with the club, also the South Bay Bicycling Coalition, because, you know, we're all after the same things. So we want people to, to be healthier, to last longer, to live longer, to, um, you know, have less disease, you know, less health problems and, uh, and uh, become more active, we want to not only give them opportunities, educational opportunities like we talked about, but we also want to give them the infrastructure that encourages that type of activity, that encourages people to get out and walk in their communities and and ride a bike in their communities. And and so the Blue Zones were very instrumental in in putting together the livability principles and. Adopting, uh, you know, getting the city to adopt these plans in each one of the cities. Uh, there's an overarching uh, policy that we 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 use, which is a uh, complete streets, which is really community, you know, just re-engineering the streets and the and the communities for the people that live there, not necessarily for cars. Uh, I mean, I know cars often are necessary in our lives, but. You know, I think to, to re-engineer it for people is, is should be number one, and um, and in all modes of transportation. And so we're performing a lot of the we're working with the city on uh, a lot of these initiatives through the Blue Zones as well as the South Bay Bicycling Coalition.
3: And you know, Jim, if we go back a, a little ways, when the coalition first started, and when the uh, the Vitality City. Um, opportunity first uh, came up for the Beach Cities, uh, I'm pretty proud to say that the the Bicycle Coalition of the South Bay was uh, among the very first organizations to embrace Vitality City, to endorse it, uh, to go out into the community and promote it, to speak at every city council meeting where the uh, issue came up, and um, you know, I, I, I think it's fair to say that we were one of the stakeholder groups that helped get that um, that program into the South Bay and we stayed close to the program um, ever since and on the flip side of that the folks from Vitality City and what is now Blue, Blue Zones. Zones. Okay, well we, I go we, back.
2: We've had an official name change, so we're trying to.
3: Yeah, well I still call him. <laughs> I still call him Ron Artest and not uh, Meta World Peace. So I'm old school. But uh, Ron, who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ron, our previous guest earlier on the show. But uh, Jim, just to, to to finish the the other side of that coin. Likewise, the Blue Zones folks uh, and the Healthways folks, and especially. um the beach city's health district which kind of um... is the uh... the coordinator for all of this they have been exceptionally supportive of the bike coalition of your own um beach city cycling club and they understand the health impacts of riding a bike and moving and getting out of your car and you are a living a living example of that uh... i think it's fair to say you're over fifty five and you're in incredible shape <laughs> you ride thank uh, you hundreds
7: of miles a week if i'm not mistaken well, uh, you'll be 70 before long anyway. <laughs> but but uh, uh yeah i i i think this has been an incredible opportunity i mean truly the stars have been aligned uh, lined in, in the south bay um you know the timing has just been great because uh, the uh, the programs uh, coming from the Blue Zones. You may have discussed that that that's a re- you know was a result of a a book that was written by Dan Buettner and all the people that live over a hundred and, and how they did that, how they accomplished that. So this this Blue Zone initiative in our community really came from that concept. Um, of course, the club can encourage people to get on a bike and give them the educational tools that we think that they need to ride a bike safely in our community and in the South Bay Bicycle Coalition, you know, to, to get this grant that we were so fortunate to get in 2009 that, you know, gave us an opportunity to, to plan for, you know, 213 new miles of interconnecting bike lanes between the cities, which was just a godsend in my mind, because we, uh, I had never seen anything like this, and I've been riding bikes for, well... <laughs> 60 years. So, um, and uh, uh, this has just been great.
2: Yeah, you mentioned, Jim, that, you know, the plan has uh, proposed 213 more miles of bike facilities in the South Bay. I feel like, you know, in order for us to really get those implemented and move forward, it is so important to have collaboration between many organizations within the community that have similar goals such as you know the beach city's health district from a health standpoint and blue zones project from a health and livability standpoint and then the bicycle coalition from a bicycling advocacy standpoint and then you have the beach city cycling club which is you know a lot of very enthusiastic avid uh, um, cyclists but you know not necessarily the spandex type you guys follow the rules of the road um, and and you're just it really valuable to providing that that face to the movement um, but I feel like you know that that kind of collaboration is how we're going to speed up the implementation of the bike master plan and you know go after grants together in order to get money to the community to put in those bicycle facilities um, so thanks so much for, you know, being such a, a critical role in, in that collaborative process. It's been a real pleasure working with you.
3: And it doesn't stop there either, does it, Jim? Because in addition to all of the uh, the strategy and, and working on the issues and the education, um, it's so important to be out there amongst the community, flying the flag, so to speak, and walking the walk, and that's what we've been doing um, with uh, and again, uh, with a tremendous amount of leadership uh, and vision from you, with the bike corals, um, I know that uh, the first bike corral I was involved in uh, was the 2009 uh, bike corral that we provided for that um, Environmental uh, International Day of Climate Action in at, in Manhattan Beach, and ever since then, we uh, we've also been doing a, a tremendously large bike corral at every uh, Fiesta Hermosa, which takes place on uh, Labor Day weekend and Memorial Day weekend in Hermosa Beach. They have over 150,000 people show up for the weekend for that event. And a few years ago, um, you and I and a few others uh, uh, manned the very first bike corral there, and and the the need and the reaction was just tremendous. And now we park thousands and thousands of bikes every weekend um, at at the two Fiesta Hermosas. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came to be and how important you think it is moving forward?
7: sure and this is uh this is another element that I am just very proud of being part of and uh but uh there was a lot of collaboration between the South Bay Bicycling Coalition and the Beach City Cycling Club and we were able to to get a grant uh to purchase uh the bike infrastructure to basically purchase the material to uh, fabricate uh <laughs> a portable um, facility that we could Park bikes in safely and for free at these events was the intention. It's something that would be scalable. In other words, we have some big events we support, um, and then we have some small events. So um, anyway, we were able to, to get this grant, and we actually built the bike racks ourselves and bought the fencing, and and uh, and it's really been a godsend to the people that. Uh, I, and, and you, just to back up a little bit, uh, you mentioned the Mosa Festival, which was over Memorial Weekend, and we had, it was a three-day event in Mosa Beach, and where we offered free parking, and we we bought we parked or helped park forty-two hundred and seventy bikes wow. that weekend. Wow. Four thousand two hundred and
2: seventy.
7: Wow. Yeah, forty-two hundred and seventy, and that was that three-day weekend. And that was up from about 3,600, uh, the the previous year. So every year we've been adding, you know, 10, 15, 20% onto this. And, um, and so it's, it's really gone over huge, not only for the community because, you know, now people are riding their bikes to these events. They know they have a safe place to park them. Uh, and, uh, they're enjoying the the event and not driving their cars. And, And, of course, from a pollutant standpoint, from a parking standpoint, I mean, if all these people would have driven cars, can you imagine? You know what it would have been like. Those of you that know that a most a festival that had another 4,200 cars. I mean, it would have been chaos. And so I think the merchants, you know, benefited from this. Uh, the participants of the event and uh, and the public just had a ball as a result of it. And, yeah, and I, was, I, I was
2: at the city council meeting right after that event happened, and every council member thanked uh the bike coalition and the beach city cycling club for having that bicycle corral and really saw the value that it brought to the community and taking cars off the street and i think things like that um just are so important to getting goodwill from city councils so that you know they're more open to working with the cycling community uh to help us like bring more bicycling facilities to the South Bay area.
3: And it shows how responsible we are and, and what good citizens we are when we bring these uh, opportunities uh, to uh, the people of the South Bay. And I'd, I'd also be remiss if we didn't mention, uh, if we're going to talk about bike corrals and parking um, thousands of bikes, as we do uh, twice a year at that event, uh, our good friend and fellow board member, Steve Collins, uh, one of the co-owners of Hermosa Cyclery, has been incredibly supportive and has donated... Uh, infrastructure, uh, tremendous amounts of his own time, uh, employee time. Every one, every time we do one of these, we have, of course, all of our terrific volunteers, but we also have, uh, uh, you know, a handful of staff members and uh, management from the, the 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 Hermosa Cyclery. They're um, flying the flag, helping us in every way possible, uh, tuning people's bikes up, filling them with air. Um, they're not doing it to drive business. They have all the business they need. Although, if you need to rent a bike, Hermosa Cyclery is the place to go, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Hermosa Beach, right near the pier. But um, it just shows, I think, the strength of our coalition because we've had the political support, we've had the the stakeholder support, we've had the citizen support, but we've also had the business community support with the bicycle shops and other businesses too. And I think that's because they know, as you know, Jim and Erica knows, that more bicycles means more business. Do you have a, a take on that?
7: I, I absolutely agree. I uh you know, I think that the festival was just a perfect example of that. Um I, I in my mind there would have been um without that corral, there would have been <laughs> a, a lot less people in attendance to that and uh and and you know, it's it, it, and it's such a great event. I mean, matter of fact, is there anybody out there in the listening audience that would like to participate in this? Um, you know we we had thirty three volunteers uh that actually helped us over those three days, and typically it was a three hour shift and uh, I will tell you that three hour shift is joy it's uh, it, you can 't believe how many people that are so fortunate they pull their bike up, have a place to park it they 're so thankful. Can't thank you enough. They go out there and spend their money. Uh, Hermosa Beach loves it. Uh, we love it. <laughs> it's just a win-win situation for all of us. Right on the sand.
2: So if they wanted to volunteer with your bicycle corral or join your cycling club, uh, where what what's your website?
7: It is uh, it's it's Beach City dot org or BCCCLUB.org. dot org. And, um if you want to volunteer so it's like they'd uh, like to uh, <laughs> join any of our traffic skills 101 confidence cycling class or A to Z uh, be part of the ride leader program I mean while about getting people to volunteers or just meet some of the nicest people you ever want to meet in your life um, you know the club is 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 that type of uh, establishment um, I, I I think you'll really enjoy yourself and in, 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 in great opportunities like the bike rail to volunteer at.
3: And it's uh still only a thousand dollars to belong, right, Jim?
7: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a whopping twenty five dollars a year and it is uh Wow. This is a five oh one C three.
3: What
1: uh, a bargain. I,
7: uh we're not about making money, we're about actually whatever money we do make it goes back into our adult and our youth education programs and And, you know, with the South Bay Bike Coalition and just, you know, offering helmets to kids that, I mean, mean our goal, just example at the schools is, you know, we we are giving the school uh, um, enough helmets and different sizes for kids that if a kid might show up at school without a helmet he won't go home without a helmet he'll have one or he shows up without a light he'll go home with a light um you know we want to give the kids every possible safety piece of safety equipment that's that's out there um you know what keeps me up at night is if something would happen so we're going to do everything we can to keep our kids safe and and keep them active I mean I I gotta tell you the lessons you learn on a bike I mean I think back when I was a kid going my first paper out how it taught me responsibility and and it made me who I am today I believe so it is a life-changing event and like to see more kids experience that
3: well and and the community is so appreciative of the work you do you know it's hard to think of anybody that better qualifies for the title of uh, Mr. South Bay Bicycle than you Jim um, I can't think of a time when you're not working on a, a really important bicycle issue or donating your time to help kids and and, and the rest of us. I mean, the, the beautiful thing about riding in the South Bay is we have such a diversity of, of generational riders. Uh, we, You know, I've ridden with our, our friend and fellow board member, Julian Katz, who's in his mid-80s, Uh, And and I think anybody that's seen us ride together knows that Julian is much stronger and more powerful and kicks my butt every time we ride together. Uh, But we also have uh, this young generation that you're teaching to ride the right way. We have uh, beautiful young people like Erica, still in her twenties, people in their mid fifties like me. There there really is a place for everybody on a bike, and especially in the South Bay, wouldn't you say? Erica is only in her twenties. I'm. I I was surprised to find out she was that
7: old. I thought she might have been
5: older.
3: No, I thought she was younger. Yeah, exactly. She looks like a a young child. And And Jim looks like a man in his mid-40s. Well, there
5: you
7: go. (laughs) Well, thank you. You guys are making me blush.
3: Oh, well, that's good. And I I know know I read Perfect
7: for radio. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly.
3: Jim Jim has a face for radio, really. Well... We want to thank you for your time today, Jim. I know Thanks, that Jim. this is a Saturday and this is your um, this is your precious time to be out riding, and we really appreciate you taking a little bit of of your time to share your experiences with us uh, today.
7: But well, it's, it's my pleasure, and you're talking about my favorite subject, so um, I I think this program is great. It's uh, so nice to be part of it. Well, Have keep up day. the great work.
2: Have a great ride.
7: Thank you.
3: Thank Bye-bye. you, Jim. Bye. Take care. Well, and uh, that was our last scheduled guest for our ten yeah. o'clock to noon show, and I think pretty, uh, pretty awesome. We've done a fantastic job as a couple of amateurs. I, I think you guys are better than amateurs. Okay, and, well, will uh, be a, a little
1: fantastic. something extra in our envelope, I, I is what think, you're saying? I think we're going to have you back. That's okay. what I think. Yay! Well. Okay. Anyway, um, well, uh, he he touched on your events that that uh, go to develop uh, more bike riding uh, in a uh, vitality kind of setting the, the blue zones and stuff, but uh, just that aside, uh, tomorrow, I don't know if you're familiar, but tomorrow, Los Angeles is going to have its annual LACBC fundraiser slash bike ride along the LA River. Yes, yes. our good friends, friends at LA the River Los ride.
3: Angeles Bicycle Coalition. And so
1: they'll be doing a lot of uh, things uh, by by sheer luck. I happen to have last year's event, and we, we could, uh, we'll end with that, but I just want to point out to people, a lot of people are just they're always asking me, hey, how do you go on Kill Radio's budget to these things? And I say, well, that's, that's easy. It's a public space. It's I, I figure I'm utilizing my my esteem kind of uh, ability just to show up and crash a party. <laughs> but ha- having said that, I do a lot of other things for the LACBC through the year. Uh, you don't have to, let's just say, join at the upper levels. In fact, I think they like it when you join regardless of what money level or uh, – uh type of support financially you can you can pay for this thing i know there's everything from buying swag to just showing up and, and being part of the crowd. It's a great
3: event and again it's yeah. a multi-generational event. They've got rides for kids, they've got exactly. rides for serious cyclists. It's it's one of the great cycling events in Los Angeles.
1: And if you don't show up you're not able to say, "Hey, wow, what was he wearing yesterday while I was there?" And That's true. I could
3: show you on my phone. Yeah. So was it Spandex as we've uh, so often mentioned? Yeah, you know, and
1: I think I think let's let's just end it right now. Some of the times when you're bike riding, you want to wear Spandex. Sometimes you just want to show up and not have to worry about what you're wearing so that Free it's, to be you and me, yes, as Marlo exactly, Thomas once said. Exactly, yes. and and they don't know what you're wearing underneath, too. But I, I think true. that that centers on maybe the other idea. Are you sure it's not alien abduction or anything? That's why these people are li- living longer. Or <laughs>
3: no, I'm not sure. Maybe something in the alignment of the planet. the... Uh, you water. know, there's the amazing things about the Blue Zone. Maybe it's some
1: the, bike porn.
3: Some very basic tenants that can add years to your own uh, life. Miserable, uh, though it may be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, do you I, get? is its is
1: it they're adding life when you were 20, or are they adding life when you're 65? That is an I, issue. I like those, those
3: teen years. Erica is so. the
1: expert. Well,
2: the idea is to try and get you to be 65 but still feel like you're 20. Oh, exactly.
3: Right? Yes. Or feel a 20-year-old, yeah. if you're <laughs> able to do that by so, riding a bicycle.
2: Before we we end of this session, though I want to make sure that it, you know Joe and I both get in. If if you live in the South Bay or you want to learn more about how to be involved um, with Blue Zones Project, you can go to bluezonesproject.com. Um, not you, dot .org? No, not, not dot .org, okay. dot .com. And uh, with the South Bay Bicycling Coalition, Joe, what's what's the your email at you know, your website? Gosh,
3: I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> but you know what I like to do, even as a board member? I like to Google the <laughs> South Bay Bicycle Coalition to find that website. And and really, I mostly am on Facebook because that's the most dynamic and ever-changing uh, social media for yes. the South Bay Bicycle Coalition. I know you're on.
1: Uh, we, Facebook. we are on
2: Facebook, the social um,
3: network, so to speak. Yes,
1: yes. yes. We right. are because Blue we, zones
2: like, we like we like those CDs. ads. And the South Bay Bicycle Coalition is also on Facebook, and we both have really active uh, social media. So you can and go on social
3: there. lives, uh, both Eric and I, are very active out there in the uh, community, <laughs> above and beyond the bicycling world, wouldn't you That's, say? Yeah. So, uh, uh, just out of
1: curiosity, just to bring this full circle.
3: What kind of bikes did you ride today? I uh, have a 1991 Univega Via Charisma, and uh, I'm very excited about it because I just, last week, put on, for the first time ever, Combo Pedals. Uh, they are. Oh, uh, so you don't have to clip in if you don't exactly. want it. Exactly. You mm-hmm. can so still I wear the, the the semi-expensive punk
1: rock shoes and still get away with it. I'm looking body. forward
3: this weekend to leaning up against the wall and practicing clipping and unclipping because everyone I know <laughs> has told me to expect to fall numerous times. No.
2: <laughs> once. Yes, you told me once. many,
3: many
1: times. No, I'll be wearing a, a, a full-on bubble wrap. No, to, you
2: have to fall once.
1: No, I don't want to fall. <laughs> in front of a lot of people and embarrass
3: everybody and laugh it off. But ha- what what kind of super expensive fancy bike do you have, Erica?
2: Oh, that's not fair. I mean, I because I I race for many years. I I have a, a nice specialized uh, carbon road bike for racing. But I'm working How on How many other
1: bikes myself. do you have?
2: <laughs> uh, I have have I have a mountain bike as well. Uh-huh. Um yeah. sometimes I like to hit the dirt and really get my heart pumping. Um and so I have a specialized mountain bike also.
3: I know hearing that has just uh, gotten the heart's pumping of many of our listeners.
2: Oh yes. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, I want—I just no, want to say... No BMX? No, yeah. Where's
1: <laughs> your no, Stingray? No BMX.
2: I, I, I had a track bike. I used to ride on the Ooh. indoor velodrome Whoa. at one point. Ooh. And, you know,
3: if you Google Erica, you can see her riding in the velodrome in video online.
2: No, not in the velodrome. Oh, I, 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 I was believe. on an episode of Bike Talk Radio, though. Really? Two years ago. Awesome. I was.
3: I believe they forgot, and that's why you're back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's about all the time we have, wouldn't you say? There you go. I, w- I
1: was just going to add that, uh, uh, Chicken Leathers didn't get asked what kind of bike he rode because <gasps> we know what kind of bike Isn't he Isn't that your bike? In, that is. In the that way? is. Yes, yeah, so we can see. It is. I ride for a team too. It's, it's amazing. Three wheels. Noticed, you'd say you ride that for a team. Yeah, it's, uh, the Coaster Bike Challenge that comes up. Uh, this was the bike that was given to me. the... Flying Pigeon. There's nothing that's been changed there except uh, some uh, mechanical things. Uh, <laughs> that sounds the, like nothing. People say, what, the drivetrain, just the, the pedals, the back wheel? <laughs> is there no, anything but, original on that yeah, bike? Yeah, exactly. That's what that's what we assume. But uh, it, it's basically also my commuting bike. So I find that this is the only bike that can not only take mountain bike trails, but also the dangerous and sometimes, uh, let, let's just say... Uh, courses between, um, let's see, Koreatown and downtown Los mm. Angeles. If you've never ridden them. You know, I asked earlier about Paris-Roubaix. No, no, this is worse. This is worse than cobblestone. <laughs> worse than cobblestone. Have you seen how they've done some infrastructure in <laughs> this city? They haven't worked on that. That. Uh, What's with these potholes? Oh, God, yes, yes.
0: yes. <laughs> Everybody oh.
1: thinks they were they were like, that's what we should be eliminating with this last bill. No, that's not the kind of pot we're talking about. Oh. this is This is really... Just, it's just, uh, it's like bombed out. There's nothing medical uh, about I, it. I think Cambodia had better roads than this, you know, and they, they had bombs there. Maybe spec, we need though. to
3: bring the Pol pot in to yes, you know, fix yes, our streets. To fix yes. our <laughs>
1: well, All right.
3: chicken leather, I just want to say on behalf of Erica and I, yes. You yes. Well, the, thank
1: you this for coming in, and you did an excellent job. And um, We especially
3: I- enjoyed the breakfast. That's
1: that's it. Actually, I got the breakfast here. Here, wait a second. <laughs> oh, saved over from last year's oh, River Ride. Oh, bacon, we have Cliff Bars here. Mm, bacon flavored <laughs> Cliff Bars. Yes. What well, could be better? All right, here we go. It is Kill Radio. Let's get back to uh, the end music here. And thank you very much. Bye bye. Ciao,
7: Bella.